With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Hello and welcome back to our podcast at Get Legally Speaking. We are proud to be the UK's number one legal consumer podcast. Our legal conversation today will be on divorce, understanding and navigating the process. I am joined today by Senior Barrister Miss Maria Scotland from five St Andrews Hill Chambers in London. Maria is joint head of her chambers and of the family team at her chambers and she is a leading family law barrister who has won an award for her work from the Bar Council. Maria is regularly in instructed on cases involving high asset wealth and issues of serious non-disclosure, as well as involving international issues and family trusts. Maria, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Hello. Hello, good morning. Thank you for asking me to join you. And I, I, I said this to Maria before we press record, so I'm just going to say it again. She is one of the best-looking barristers at oh, the bar, God. period. I have to <laughs> blow a bit of your trumpet because someone has to do it, and, and I absolutely mean that. Right, let's get back to understanding and navigating divorce. It may shock you to hear that the current divorce rate in the UK is at 42%, meaning that, sadly, one in almost two marriages end in divorce. Our knowledge on the divorce process and what is actually legally involved for most of us is from hearsay and perhaps even hearing the horror stories of those friends and foe who have gone through the process firsthand. Actually, Maria and I have both gone through a divorce ourselves. On the 6th of April 22, changes to our divorce laws came into place that saw its biggest shake-up on how the process is carried out for the past 50 years. In today's episode... Maria and I will be discussing what the main changes were, how these changes have helped or hindered those going through or thinking of getting a divorce, and our top tips on how to understand and navigate a divorce. Maria, believe it or not, our first podcast episode on divorce was published in November 2019. During, I know, during the soft launch of Get Legally Speaking. And since then, we have seen the biggest changes to our divorce laws, as I mentioned. Let's talk about how the no-fault divorce application and the process of jointly being able to apply for a divorce may have helped people. Is it a good idea to jointly apply for a divorce? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to 
Oh, Hattie, anything where you can do things jointly has got to be a good idea in divorce. Like you said, the statistics are really, really high. I think in order to um, put it in perspective and make people understand how radical the change was, as you said, it's the biggest shake-up in 50 years, um, just a little bit about the old type of divorce process uh, under the old law. So in order to get divorced, um, you would have to find fault with the other person. And so you always started off on the back foot. You started off by pointing the finger. You had to either set out some form of fault or you had to be separated and you had to claim that you'd been abandoned, you'd been separated. So there was five ways of getting divorced or five bases upon which you could get divorced. Uh, adultery was one. The other was that your, part, your spouse had failed to consummate your marriage. Very rare. Yes, yes. Or else, the most common was um, that they'd been acting unreasonably, unreasonable behaviour. Yeah. Or else you had to be separated for more than two years, two years or five years. You had to live together or you had to stay in your marriage but be separated. You couldn't immediately exit your marriage unless you found fault with the other person. So you started off your divorce process um, either having stayed together for a period of time which most people didn't want to but felt they, they compelled to or by pointing the finger at the other person and no matter how many times I saw clients who would say to me I said to my spouse they can get divorced me I'll pay for it I know and I knew that if you receive a divorce petition which blames you the breakdown of your marriage you're on the back foot so you're already starting off the process um in a contentious way. It's, it's contentious, isn't it? I mean, it, it just... It, getting divorced papers, I think, has been part of Hollywood for many, many years. And it's just getting that... Receiving that yourself... Um, normally when you're not expecting it, i.e. you probably know that you're going through a divorce, but you don't expect these papers to land on your on your doormat. And then opening it and say, and reading, you're this, you've done that. And it had to be, I mean, I, I remember we've, we completed lots of those for our clients and you had to put five solid points down on them, didn't you? And actually yeah. say, why? Why is it you want to get a divorce? And then the court had to accept that. That's yeah. like the most oh, archaic bit of it, isn't it? Um, yeah, so you'd have to provide evidence. And they've had, like you said, solid, meaning they've got, you know, not just he wouldn't put his dishes in the dishwasher, he put them in the sink. So it'd be something which egregious. That is annoying, and Maria, I have to say. <laughs> that does push a button with me. Very but... often it would push the button because the other person would say, whoa, wait a minute, they're the one that's having the affair. But they're the one that's taking the lead in the divorce. So you'd start off. With a, a, an element of acrimony, and uh, and divorce can be really acrimonious. So if you're starting off at that point, then it, it just leads to, uh, it, you're not starting off at a good place. So the new divorce law, the Divorce, Dissolution and Separation Act, bit of the matter, 2020, uh, you don't have to find fault with the other side. So that's what's groundbreaking. That's where the 50 years of, uh, you know, that's where the, the groundbreaking new act. Not uh, having to blame isn't it i mean start i think you, you just touched on a really important point not having to blame the other party does prevent 
for any further arguments or arguments happening, no matter how amicable you're both trying to be. Like we said, it can be a really difficult, challenging atmosphere already to a highly emotional and probably difficult process, whether you're amicable or not, actually. It's still, I have not known anybody to say, oh, oh, you know, I had a divorce, but it was okay. Even those amicable people will say, do you know what, that was tough. I could open, I openly say, even on my law firm's website, it was one of the most difficult times of my life to go through. So I think that you're absolutely right. Starting the process jointly without having to blame each other and actually list out what went wrong has to take away that initial acrimonious kind of element to a very awkward and emotional process where you know resentment starts spilling over to negotiations about the finances and the children and the childcare and everything else but do you think that the joint application that's now been in place has had any negative outcomes on the process no, I don't think there can be a negative. I, I mean, it's been in since last year, so we're still in the, the you know, the the fr- fresh stage. However, um, it, you don't have to get divorced jointly. One party can divorce the other. So it's like, um, but what's new is that you can make the process, you can make the application jointly. All you've got to do is have a statement that your marriage is broken down if irretrievably and the court will accept that. There is, at the start of every divorce, whether it's one person divorcing the other or it's joint, there's a what's called a cooling off period where the court's um, mandatory make you wait 20 weeks before you can apply for the first stage of your divorce. And the idea is, look, you may well have rushed into this, take a breather, see if your marriage has actually irretrievably broken down. Um, my view is anybody that's making a joint application by by inference has therefore discussed the divorce and the process and the application with their spouse and then they both have gone to the website or they've gone to a solicitor and initiated the divorce jointly. Yes. Really good start. Yes. Yes, I, I, I get that. I get the whole mentality behind saying, look, we're going to do this together. It's not me sort of deserting you and, and, and initiating this whole process against you. It's a joint decision and we're both going to do it. But the only thing that comes to my mind when I think about have there been any negative outcomes is applying for the decree absolute, right? Mm-hmm. Either party can do that whether the finances are resolved or not unless one party says hold on to the court please don't finalize this marriage and i can probably feel our listeners saying well what is that so once you're applied for the divorce whether you do it singularly or jointly you get a decree nisi then six weeks and one day after that you can apply for the absolute which means your marriage has actually ended and I know this podcast isn't about the finances of a marriage, and we have covered episodes on that, but the, uh, agreeing the financial division of the assets and liabilities is so important. You know what worries me? What worries me is on a joint application, one party says, we haven't we haven't agreed the, the financial aspect. We shouldn't apply for the absolute and make this marriage completely ended. But yeah. the other party goes ahead and applies for it. Well, I think in those circumstances, what the other, what one person who doesn't want their marriage to, so what, so our listeners know, so your listeners know rather, there are two stages. So you apply for your divorce, 
can do that as a single person in the marriage or you can do it jointly as we've discussed which means in real life terms going to the government website and making the application jointly or going to a solicitor and asking them to do it for you um, and then there are two stages which follow there's the conditional stage which is stage one and then there's the final stage of your divorce. It used to be called decree, nice side decree, absolute, which was a Latin term for effectively, we're nearly there, we're there. Yes. Now it's conditional and we're there. And it harks back to historically uh, to make sure there's a, there a passage of time to make sure that the wife wasn't pregnant. Yes, yes, I remember we discussed this before and I, and I remember asking you in that podcast, why is it six weeks and one day? Yeah, it was to allow for one moon cycle or one period. But we've yes. still got that old-fashioned one stage, two stage, because I think the courts think it's a really good idea. I think in practice it is a good idea, because what tends to happen is you indicate to the world, I'm getting divorced, you have your first stage, then you sort out the finances, which is what you touched on. You tend to sort out the finances and then you have the final stage. It doesn't mean that you have to have your final stage uh, only after you've developed uh, dealt with your finances but it's a good idea and the reason but is simple if one of you dies in between those two stages and you if one of you dies rather uh and you had got the final stage of your divorce you would lose certain rights which are really important when sorting out the finances so for instance pensions pensions die with the person who uh is deceased so if you are entitled to something from the other person's pension, so if you're a spouse, you don't have a pension or you've got a smaller pension and the other person's got a much larger pension and you want a share of that pension, if they pass away untimely before you sorted out what share you get and what percentage, etc., you lose your rights to it because it dies with them. So that's why this is to it. keep you together as a spouse before you have the final stage. So your question was, well, what happens if we do it jointly and one of you can apply? I think um, what, what I would say um, is take advice before you go through the divorce. Take advice on the finances and the divorce. If, if you're advised and alerted to, um, don't get the final stage because there are assets, including a pension or it might be a house, uh, that you're entitled to a share of, that the other person has possession of control over in their name, um, and you may lose that right to it if we get the final stage of divorce, let the court know. But so this that- is it. You know, I always say to people, it is really important to have agreed on the finances and have a signed consent order before you are you apply for your absolute. I mean, I know some people don't have the the huge asset base or an asset that will actually make a difference and, 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 and affect that. But I mean, since the pandemic, during which divorce rates massively spiked, people went online more than ever before, right? Seeking help and answers on these topics. So the two aspects of divorce that we say is one is actually the marriage itself we are no longer married and the second is so the dissolution of the marriage and the second is the division of the assets and liabilities and you touched on something really important there you said well say if somebody passes you know if somebody unfortunately passes away before the divorce is finalized or after the divorce is finalized but before the finances are actually dealt with it can cut you out of other financial elements but couldn't also so say for example and i know this is a big topic and there's been stuff in the news about this in the past where women have come back to their spouses years later and tried to make a claim for assets but 
you know, if you are actually divorced, you've got your final stage of your divorce for the marriage, the finances are not resolved, and then your spouse continues to acquire assets. Do they come into the pot or do they not? Because you're actually divorced now. Yeah. So this is a really huge topic and it's difficult to answer it concisely, but I will try. (laughs) So you get divorced. So we've been talking about divorce and the new process of getting divorced and what we call the no-fault divorce. And within that process, there are two stages. At the end of your marriage, what people should be aware of if they're not already is that you need to, in order to exit your marriage and become a divorced, separated individual, what you really should do, first of all, is the divorce, which severs the ties between you as husband and wife, or husband and husband, wife and wife, if it's a civil partnership, same-sex marriage. So you need the divorce petition to sever your marriage. You also are tied together financially as far as the court and as far as the law is concerned. Your marriage um, created a financial tie between you. And there's a separate application to sever that tie. There's a separate, uh, it's called a form A, and that separates your finances. So there are two parts to your marriage. And do you know, Maria, not many people know that. And I'm telling you that from the people, the clients that I assist through my my law firm not many people actually understand that there's the divorce the dissolution of the marriage and the finances of the marriage i recently read that money is the invisible third person in a marriage yeah and i realized how true that actually is and some couples talk about the finances of their marriage and are very well informed but most surprisingly i'm talking about cases that i've been doing for over a decade and i don't know what you see but most spouses usually the wife does not know about the majority of the finances to do with the husband or if the husband's controlling things that's what i've seen that most women are kept in the dark in relation to what are our complete assets and liabilities of this of this marriage and i just want to say how important it is in fact i think dealing with the division of the assets and liabilities and coming to a financial agreement is more important than getting a divorce honestly yeah. because that's going to affect the rest of your life and the rest of the life of any children you may have yeah i think from i mean i've been at the bar now 28 years and when people talk about divorce and when you see it read talked about in the media when they talk about couples getting divorced Really what they're talking about is the finances. So when we talk about arguments and divorce, most people think finances, but there are two different things. So you've got your application, your petition for divorce, and you've got your you've got your application to sever your financial ties. So there are two parts to you as a person. I'm a married person, I'm also tied to this person financially. So you can go through your divorce unless you have got a court order that can be by consent or you can ask a judge to deal with it, which divides your finances, severs your financial ties, then you are still tied together financially. So when you were saying, you're right, there was case law, uh, there was uh, reports in the press uh, not so long ago, and there has been case law not so long ago about um, a wife in particular who came back 25 years after the end of a marriage and was able to make her application. So what your listeners should know is you end your marriage by making your application, we've been talking about the joint application under the, what's called the no-default divorce or the single application. You only need to make one application. 
you also only have one attempt and one application to divide the finances. If you don't do it, in between, we were talking about it's best to try and deal with it if you can in the divorce. So you make your application for divorce. There are two stages. There's this cooling off period first, and then you get your first stage, which is called the conditional uh, divorce or conditional order, rather. And then you have a period uh, of minimum six weeks, one day, between the next stage, and that then ends your marriage service. Try and deal with the finances in between. If you don't, at any stage after your divorce is made final, you can come back and make that application. And that, so, and that, this is the key thing, isn't it? Because I think one of the other key, and I think we could do a whole podcast on this, and I actually think we should, on the words consent order. So to make, it's not only agreeing who's going to get what in the finances of the marriage, but it's making sure that what you have agreed is legally binding. And you mentioned earlier about whether it's with consent or not. A consent order is something that, a legal person can draw up for you should draw up for you really to make sure that it's worded correctly it's particularly if there's anything in there that says spousal maintenance or child maintenance particularly if you've got any assets such as property or pension sharing and it's it could be it needs to be sealed by a court it doesn't mean you've gone to court to fight it out but once you get your decree nicer, you can send your consent order that says this is a this is a complete agreement of our finances. The court seals it. You both sign it first to say that you're in agreement. The court seals it and then it's legally binding because we have seen cases where people say, but we did agree, but there's no yes. agreement. Yes. And you and I have had a case in particular, which is really upsetting. But exactly right. If there's any take home, people should know and appreciate that there are two strings, if you like, that attach you as a married person to your uh, spouse. One is you are tied in marriage, in wedding, uh, as as, uh, sort of in your nuptials. You're tied as husband, wife, husband, husband, wife, wife. And the other is we're financially got a tie between us. And you need to sever those by court order. Yes. An agreement between you, I agreed, I would keep the house, he would keep the business, we separated, happy days. Unless that is in a court order, it is not binding. And at any stage after the end of your marriage, one person can go back to the other. So you and I have seen a case, which is quite good to tell people about, it's illustrative of what can happen. Husband and wife, met very, very young, so married very young, number of children, family home, and at the end of their marriage, it was agreed between them that the wife would remain in the family home with the children because she needed a home and a roof over the young children's head. He would go off and find somewhere else to rent, rent, or and live with his girlfriend and then later on buy, but he would leave the family home with the wife and the children in, and he would take his income and his business. So he would pay just child maintenance. Then what happened was the children got to 18 or the youngest got to 18 and then left and was at left school. And then he's knocking and, on the door. And he came knocking. Mm. And he came knocking We've seen it. We've seen it. all of that time, the house had remained in joint names. He had always continued to pay the mortgage, which is what he promised to do, and instead of paying child maintenance. And he had led her to believe, or certainly she told us, he led her to believe, you can have the house. But he came knocking and said, right, children are 18, 
I want my half share. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's gone on and had another house and he's built a business, but that wasn't a marital asset. He had created something outside of the marriage. So then we had an application. He could make an application because one hadn't been made. There'd been no agreement registered with the court at yeah. the date of the separation and ultimately the date of divorce. And what he was able to say was to the court, I want all of our assets divided that we built up in marriage and anything that I've acquired after marriage is mine. So there was an argument about it and it led to very, very protracted... So people, uh, this is the thing, people don't imagine these scenarios playing themselves out because naturally, and I, I totally get it, as we said, you and I have both been through a divorce. At the time that you're going through a divorce, honestly, it can be such a blur. It, the, 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 the pressure and the stress of it and the upset of it can absolutely... You know, I've had clients come to me and say, I don't want anything, I just want to get a divorce. And I say, right you have got a young child or young children how are you going to financially survive since you are the main carer and then I get them to start thinking about that and we start looking at well, what does the financial future for everybody look like so in our top three tips for people that are considering getting a divorce I think the top tip should be make sure whatever you financially agree is in what is called a consent order that is drawn up by a legal professional and it is sent to the court and the court has sealed it as a court order so that it is legally binding what are the two top tips you think we can give our listeners today Maria about consider if they're considering or getting a divorce I think people should know if they've not already picked up from you and I that this is a really, really emotionally turbulent time. Even if, like like me, I was the one who wanted out of my marriage. I initiated the divorce because my husband was off with every barmaid and, you know, whatever. It's all coming out now. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, we get on really well now, which is nice. But he had so many affairs, I thought, right, my marriage will end. And I thought I would be elated to for him to move out and for me to go to the divorce. Um, and I wasn't. And, and this is what I see with... Almost all my clients, 99.99% of my clients, go through a period of emotional turbulence. You're not going to be yourself. I think if you know that and you expect and anticipate, it's like a form of grief. If you know that, then you won't question yourself and think you're going mad. You'll think, oh, this is what they talked about. Find support. Don't look. Don't listen to the person who says, well, I got 100% and I did this and that. Yeah, well, that that is a really interesting thing you said there because I I 100% agree. Get support. Get people, one or two people around you who can emotionally support you. But sometimes the chanter outside of that, like you say, yeah, yeah, she took the house off of me or I gave him the house or she, whatever. Just be careful who and what you listen to and keep your cards close to your chest because people can add salt into your wounds quite easily when you're going through this process i would say get professional support and that really needs to be a battery of people if you're going to have a solicitor then also find somebody a counselor yes yes a divorce coach um and i would look for advice as early as possible so that you take advice on the finances the children if you're looking for advice, do not go for the person that comes up top on Google. If you look on Google, there'll be a law firm that comes up and like, as, as night follows day, that will strip you of all your assets. Find something with, uh, find some, a professional to take advice who is legally trained, but also find somebody that's really amicable. So find a mediator, find somebody who does co- collaborative law, somebody that will uh, try and start up 
process, if at all possible, amicable, but giving you guidance and steer. Yes. Um, and, and if you're going to somebody, don't be afraid to think, oh, no, that lawyer's not for me, they're too aggressive, they're too, or whatever. Find somebody who you gel with who is, has empathy. Yes. Uh, and try and deal with your divorce and, and the finances and the children in an amicable way, if at all possible. That doesn't mean uh, sitting around a coffee table together. It might mean that your solicitor writes to them prior to issuing divorce proceedings. It might mean going to mediation. It might mean collaborative law. It might mean arbitration. But try and start off the process, if you can, amicably, and uh, take advice, take professional advice as soon as possible. Maria, thank you. Golden, golden words. I tell you, I've probably said it a million times before because I didn't own my law firm Red Barlow when I started, uh, when I went through a divorce. But if I had, honestly, just one of the podcasts that you and I have recorded, (laughs) when I were going through a divorce so many moons ago, it would have helped me so much because at that time I was so blind to the process I didn't know the process I didn't understand the process and I think one of the things that you said is so key don't be afraid if you've spoken to a lawyer or a legal professional and to say that person's not for me that in my gut I do not feel that they're going to be right to help me with my process make sure you take your time to choose who you're going to have around you and what they're going to do to help you but that's all we've got time for no it's been lovely it flies it flies it flies maria thank you ever so much i'm so grateful for your time and i know that we give such valuable information to our listeners so thank you very much for joining me today what i'll say to our listeners is don't forget to click and subscribe to our podcast we have over 160 to choose from you can find us on tiktok instagram facebook linkedin and youtube by searching get legally speaking also visit our website at getlegallyspeaking.com thank you for listening empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on instagram twitter or facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple english Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com.